Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solitaire board games. I'm your host, Albert, and this is episode 133. Move along, just move along. Nothing to see here. Ah, they're after me! Alright, welcome back everyone. Welcome back, Julius. How's it going? Ah, they're after me! Oh, I'm sorry. Wait, we're through with that part. I'm doing great! Excellent. We're recording very last minute here because of a little few technical glitches in, in real life and things like that. But we're recording, and that's what matters. Today we've got a, a show on, on Game Racks on, which has been all over the, the hotness lately. And we're talking about a little bit of news, and we're talking about Gen Con a tiny bit. That'll do for me. Gen Con season is coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's con season. Then before you know it, it's uh, Essen, and then... Halloween and Christmas and then it's 2018. <laughs> Man, I can't wait for the school year to end. <laughs> Shooting too far ahead. Anyway, let me let me jump into the news. Uh, so there's a little bit of news, but not too much. One is that there's a new solitaire game coming out by Fredman Freeze. Um, it was just announced recently, I believe. It is a it's a game called Finished, and it's, I guess it's a game where you're simulating a workday. Right, and it's just a deck of cards. Um, I believe it was 52 cards is the number. And all you need to do is play the cards in order. It, you have a hand of cards, and what you could do is arrange a cards, and then I guess discard and draw other cards as you're going along. And there's different actions that let you rearrange the cards in your hand. Um, the goal is to get all the cards hopefully in order, and, and then you're done. You're finished for the day. So, have you seen that game? Um, I've seen the the box cover and it looks delightfully geeky oh yeah it's a little smiley face right? it's an a, it's a, yeah, i think they call it emoji I, I think but anyway yeah it's an emoticon on on a old looking computer it's delightfully geeky i don't know enough <laughs> nearly enough about this game it's it's 48 cards seven wooden cups of coffee 10 wooden multicolored sweets a rules booklet and a glossary what is up with this game <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Sounds silly, uh, but you know, after after his Friday game, everybody will be like, "Ooh, is this gonna be awesome too?" And I have no idea. It reminds we'll me. I get the impression it's a slightly lighter game, but it reminds you know, me right. of Eleven Z's for one. That's where it gets me. Mm-hmm. The idea, yes, the description makes it sound like right because you're having to sort out all the cards so that they go all the way up, and you're you're messing with things and your main task, and you have sweets and coffee to to sort of be an out it sounds like 11 seeds for one expanded i don't mind that 11 seeds for one is a good game yes yep okay well i mean it'll be neat i don't know when it comes out exactly um i assume it'll be out at essen it says 2017 probably essen all right so so we've got two kickstarter games to talk about both of them are from indie board and card games um they're doing things a little bit different this time which is interesting but anyway, the first game is Heroes Wanted Elements of Danger. Now this is the, according to them, it is the final expansion for Heroes Wanted. This is a game in which you play wannabe superheroes trying not to join in a, join the, the team of the city. Uh, and, you know, you're going to go out and f- do missions like stop trash litterers and things like that. What makes Heroes Wanted neat is that you always, whenever you play, you get two cards, one for the top half, one for the bottom half for your hero. And they combine to give you your your hero's name. Um, a lot of times they end up being really silly, but 
mechanically, I find the game really fun because you're you're explore you're fighting and you're managing a hand of cards and it ends up having a, a bit of a Euro feel game to it. Right. So this expansion, what it has now is uh, more hero cards, including a new type of hero, uh, elementals. And it's not a huge expansion. I think you're getting something like about 20, 25 or 50 hero cards. Where is that listed? Back at levels. Go back up. Okay, yeah. You get 25 power tokens, 16... Um, you get 24 new hero cards, 8 new villain cards, um, new special action cards, including for the new elemental type of heroes. And, and that's it, and there's, you know, stretch goals that will get unlocked the more people back here, which is generally more, more cards, more heroes, and that sort of thing. And so this game ends in next week, um, August 16th. And it's going for $25 for just the expansion. You could spend a little more and also get, uh, like the the base game and the other expansions, that sort of thing. the The second item is again indie board and cards game. This is Flashpoint Fire Rescue. This is interesting. This is an event deck. It's called Tragic Events, and it's basically a deck of cards and a couple of new firefighters. And actually, one of them may not be new. I think not. I think the fire but, prevention specialist isn't, but I'm not sure. Yeah, he looks familiar, but but you know, I, I guess whatever. I think that was just available in expansions or promos, right? I'm not sure. Actually, I'm not sure. Okay, so so again, this is just a, a deck of cards. Now, what's interesting here is that they've said they're only gonna release it through the Kickstarter. It will not be available outside of their. They'll distribute themselves through either Amazon or, or I guess their website or whatever. But it'll probably not be until 2019 when it's available that way. So so that's it. I mean, it's just a small deck of cards. And what does that small deck of cards do, Albert? Oh, yeah. I didn't say it already. So these are events, basically. You know, you, you'll draw the event cards, and there's also fire cards to change how the fire spreads. Right. That instead of instead of just rolling dice, the fire may do all sorts of different type of things, which we can only guess at mm-hmm. well, so there's pictures of the cards and they say things like advance a fire advance fire again place a flare up so it kind of i think it tells you what to do and you know a bad a bad card may have you do three or four things well a nice card will just have you do one thing um i know people a lot of times have issues with the way the fire worked in the past which was rolling two dice you're still having to roll the dice the majority of the time because every one of these cards that they have a preview of, and again, yeah, they've only previewed for us four of the 28, but every one of these has advanced fire at least once. And advanced fire means roll the dice. So you're still yeah. going to be rolling all the dice. All this means right. is that the flare-ups is different and how how the fire accelerates is different because instead of having to keep track with the little hotspot markers, you're now having to use all these fire cards and event cards have other random stuff going on and having other uh, difficulty spikes in other different places. Yep, and then so the other cards they give you are event cards, which will do things like, oh, do you hear footsteps? And it looks like, what does that say? Replenish. And there are five. And so, like, it has you change the counters on the board, maybe or add hazmat counters and different things like that. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, so, so if you're a big fan of Flashpoint Fire Rescue, it looks like it'll add something to the game, just a little variety if you've gotten bored of of how the game works and you want variety. Bah, it's a way to get it. 
I, I'm, yeah. Bah humbug. That's what I say <laughs> to this. Bah yeah, humbug. At this point, I have, I have boards and plenty, and I'm happy with that. I actually don't have boards and plenty. I think the only expansion that I have for my copy of Flashpoint is uh, second story, the second story one. I can't remember okay. the exact name of it, but the second story one. And I'd love to also have Dangerous Waters and Extreme Danger. I'd have to love to have more boards. But I have very little trust in indie boards and cards at this point in time. Just between how they handle Aeon's End and how they handle customer service and customer support, and they're just upfront being, you have to buy this right now or you will not ever get it at all again later. I tend to not respond well to that sort of attempted push. You know, uh, if I can quote Tom Vassell from the Dice Tower, there's, there's Vassell's Law. If the game is good, it's going to be available later. If it's not good, you won't care. So I'm, I'm not going to give into a push like that. And I'm not convinced that this is good because I can't really tell that much from it. Or whether or not this is just going to be further randomness on a random element already. Yeah, th- there's not a ton of information available. The, 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 rule book, the draft rule book is available, but I haven't looked at it. The draft rule book is available, and I've read it, but I've told you what it says. Okay. That there are these cards, and instead of just rolling the dice, draw the top card of the fire deck and do what it says. Yep. Okay. We have no real clue about what it says. It could be that 20 of those cards say advance fire, and that's it. It could no. be. No way of knowing. They don't tell us. <laughs> you know, this would be great. Why not give us a why not give us a print and play of this? Mm-hmm. Why it's twenty-eight cards so that we can get a taste of how it plays. Why not give a print and play? Yep. I, I understand what you're saying. I mean Yeah. Not that that's how that's how they do things. I you know I, I get that you're not interested in it. I'm not backing it either because I'm happy with the Flashpoint stuff I have at this point. I, I do find it interesting how they're releasing it, which is very different from things in the past. And my first reaction was, oh, I really need this. Oh, my gosh, I'm not going to be able to get it otherwise. Yeah, and they're trying and to do that My second reaction you. was, well, do I care? They're trying to do that to you. They're trying to do that to yeah. you on purpose. Don't give in. Yep. <laughs> yep. Just don't give in. And I, I just dislike that they're, I dislike that they're doing that. I dislike that they're trying it. I just think it's, it's horrible. Mm-hmm. It's horrible. Yep, I'm interested in Heroes Wanted, but and I would have been regardless of how how they are marketing it. Bob, that's different. Anyway, so this is actually ends August 17th. So if you are interested, it is twenty dollars, and it is on Kickstarter now. It has met its funding, so now it's just you know they're adding stretch goals. And if you want, you can use it to get a copy of all of the old expansions there is an everything expansions version for flashpoints you can get all the old stuff too if you know that is of interest to you Mm -hmm. wow yeah (laughs) it's not like sentinels to me where i feel like i i want to have all the things i don't (laughs) uh so do we want to talk about what we're interested for for gen con or do we want to talk about raxon Let's talk about Gen Con. Let's talk about Gen Con. That's just around Let's the corner. Let's talk about actually, Gen Con. Or Gen Cant, I suppose, for all of us who aren't attending Gen Con. Albert, are you <laughs> attending Gen Con? I am not. I cannot go. You know, that is actually the weekend before school starts here and the day before the eclipse. I am attending the eclipse. Are you attending Gen Cant? 
Uh, maybe. Yeah, I'll be able to play it. Said there isn't really a, a Gen Kent solo con to go to this year, unfortunately. Well, there's still Gen Kent. That's true. <laughs> but the solo con is a highlight of Gen Kent. <laughs> unfortunately, this year because it's just busy schedules, we weren't able to organize that. Yeah. So. What we'll do instead is we're going to look at all the solo games that we want from Gen Con. And apologize to everyone that we weren't able to organize for Gen Con solo con. Do you think we're going to do it again next year, Albert? What do you think? I think we should. You think I mean, we should? It, it's been fun, yeah. Yeah. And again, I think that in the past, um, I think it's been mostly Travis from Low Player Count and me who have organized in the past. I think, Albert, you've talked about how sometimes you're just sort of surprised when it starts happening. You're like, hey, this is fun. Yeah, I haven't. I really didn't help out with it last time. As a matter of fact, the first time it happened, I didn't even know we were, <laughs> we were organizing. I was quite surprised when I heard, oh, this is going to happen. And it's all been arranged. It was awesome. But yeah, I think next year we'll, I'll pull my weight a little more and, and we'll make it happen. Yeah, I mean, that's not about pulling your weight. It's just it just didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's not your fault. But yeah, um, so hopefully next year we will be able to work something out and we'll just be a little bit less busy, I think. Mm-hmm. So anyway, yeah, what sort of stuff are you looking forward to that's coming out of Gen Con? There's, there's so many cool games coming out. Yeah, so I went through it, you know, I checked out the list, and I've, I've picked about, um, about a dozen games that I'm interested in. Pro- the ones that I'm most interested in are, are actually are expansions to games I already have. The, uh, there's an expansion for Capital, or Between Two Cities called Capitals, and an expansion for Nations, a dice game. Those are those are the ones that I'm most interested in by far. Yeah, I find it funny that your biggest interests are going to be expansions. Expansions tend not to really get a lot of interest from me, personally. <laughs> yeah. But I think the I'm, I'm really interested in Spirit Island. I don't know if you've been watching that. I have not. I didn't, uh, that's I Greater Than Games' co-op game, which takes the idea of Settlers of Catan, except that you are the island trying to fight off the settlers. Oh, neat. Okay. Oh, that sounds fun. <laughs> Darn unruly settlers invading my peaceful quietness. Yeah, that's a, that's one that's looking really cool. That Spirit Island from Greater Than Games is one that I'm very interested in. Um, another one that I'm very interested in is, I mean, Too Many Bones and Triplock are ones that are going to be there that I'm also very interested in. But I'm also I'm also really interested in Witches of the Revolution, which is a um, the the idea of that one is you are witches who are attempting to influence the uh, american revolution <laughs> how cool <laughs> and it's a it's a cooperative game so it's a cooperative deck building game and you're trying to complete the objectives to resolve liberty and prevent tyranny and it just sounds, it sounds like a, a kind of zany sounding um theme but i think also the mechanics and the view of it look interesting looks cool plus it's by atlas games and i have some faith in atlas games (laughs) especially when they have a big emblazoned on their box supports solo play and i say oh they know what they're looking for they know their audience (laughs) that's that is nice okay and and their level of support solo play is is usually pretty decent yeah that's nice there's a game by tmg that i'm interested in called okie dokie what you're trying to put a music festival on. Don't know much about it, but I mean, I'm curious. Looks like it's a small box card game. And they make nice small box card games, so so I'll check that out. Shrug. Yeah. I don't know. I like small boxes. I can't help it. 
<laughs> Why do you like small boxes, not big boxes? I don't know. I just do. I like little tiny boxes that just have a lot of fun in them. Uh, <laughs> and but you haven't played the unlock stuff or the other or the uh, other escape room games. I have not. I, I think I should just go ahead and play one solo and try it out. Like I, you know, we still have not gone back and finished the one we started a few weeks ago. Oh man, Albert. I mean, those are those are probably the definition of small box, lots of stuff. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> it was neat. I mean, it just, we just haven't gone back to it. I haven't had a chance. Um. What else? There's a game called Spires, another small box. That was on Kickstarter a few months ago, and I really thought about backing it. And that sounded interesting, and it looked really nice. It's a game about building castles. And you want to build castles, but if they get too tall, they ended up hurting you. Oh, and also, I, I see on the list, for those of us who don't know, there's on Board Game Geek a list of Gen Con releases, and you can actually sort it so that it shows pl- games that are listed as, as supporting one player. Um, on that list also is Caverna, K versus Cave, which is actually available right now for anyone interested in picking it up. I'm probably going to have to pick this up and review one point in time because I played one game of it at my local game store, and it was a lot of fun. I really liked it. Hmm, okay. I have to check it out. Yeah, I've got a couple other other games like that. I've got the um, the Agricola, the, the two-player game, and that's a lot of fun. So all of them... What's his name again? All of Uwe Rosenberg's games that he, he convert, seems to make it into two-player versions. Yeah, that's they, the idea. They all seem to work out pretty well. Yeah, and this one does also. Essentially, it's a worker placement type game, except that instead of worker placements, you're reserving different actions from a board. And so you, you still have that control over which actions you're going to take. So I thought it was pretty good. Reminded me a little bit with the reserving actions type thing from... Uh, um, Never mind. Just take okay. that out. Okay. Drop it. <laughs> Just forget that. Dropped. Dropped. Um. What else do I have on here? Oh, one big game I'm interested in is First Martians. I've heard a little bit about it. And it sounds interesting, right? This is the a game, I guess, mechanically inspired by Robinson Crusoe by Ignacy Trevishek, and this is also by him. Mm-hmm. Um, using similar mechanics. And and here you have gone off to colonize Mars and you're just basically trying to survive and make Mars habitable. Now, except that this time they've taken a number of things from Robinson Crusoe and turned them digital, right? Mm-hmm, yes. Yeah, what's your feeling on that? Um, I'm fine with that. Though, though the problem that I have with digital stuff is that it's not always accessible to me right um for example i i have the descent and i bought a tablet so i could play the sensor using the app my tablet broke i have not been able to play again because it's this phone is too small the app will work on the phone but it's unreadable so i just basically haven't played it again so you're saying the problem with being digital is if your phone breaks yeah if, if your device breaks you're kind of out of luck and the game becomes unplayable right you need to go and replace a device i suppose Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it, it's it's not like you know. I don't know. It's like you know, if you lose some of your event cards, that's a shame. You could probably contact the publisher and, and purchase the re- replacement parts if you need to. Some sometimes they send it for free. Maybe not. Maybe you have to spend a few dollars to replace it. But it's a lot cheaper than having to replace a phone to make the game playable. But, you know, it's it's a different level. 
and I do dislike that, but uh, I don't mind. If, you know, I don't mind getting a game that requires a phone. Whatever you say, Albert. <laughs> I mean, I don't think that's such a big issue. I've, there's plenty of games that I've liked that use a phone. But for me, something that's as large as um, as uh, First, First, Mar- First Martians, uh, for me, something that's as large as First Martians, I, I find that I'm often wanting to play it on Shabbos as a religious juice, and I can't use phones then. So that means that I can't play it then. You know, here's another game I'm interested in. Just just because the heck of it. it's called Robots Love Ice Cream, <laughs> the card, the card game. This reminded me of when you, uh, when you were interested in that ice cream game, the ice cream. Oh talk yeah, game. I got that. I got that from Kickstarter. I've played it. it it's neat. It's you know, it, it was fun. <laughs> but this is you know, who doesn't love robots that love ice cream? Robots. <laughs> that's a that's random. A that's really also. random sounding. It is actually, and it's limited edition. And I think no, your number nine know. one that you put on here is also really random sounding. Oh, okay. So I heard about that on another podcast. That's interesting. That's a tile laying game, and the tiles are all numbers. So like, I, I think I guess the tile number one is going to be three spaces, right? Uh, three spaces tall, one space wide. A tile like a number eight is going to be much bigger with two little holes in it, right? Mm-hmm. What you need to do is you need to lay the tiles on the table and then put other tiles on top of it. A tile that's in a second or higher row must be completely on another tile. So for example, if you have an eight, um, th- there's two little holes in the middle of it that make it hard to lay another tile over it. Right? So so the, the positioning and which numbers you have and wh- what goes where matters. And then for scoring, whenever you cover, whenever you put a tile on the second or third rows, you get points for that number. So a number eight, if it's up in the second row, is going to be worth a lot of points. Um, it's eight points in the second row. It's double that on the third row, so it's 16. Um, a number one in the second row, easy to put up there because it's a small number, but also not worth very much. And that sounded interesting. That sounded really neat. Very, very simple, very, very different. And so I'm curious about that one. Very nice. Now that I wonder how much of this is actually going to be showing up on future episodes. Oh, so of <laughs> these games you're talking about? Yeah. Um, very little. Oh, really? That's my prediction. I think so. Most of these things, you know, I am curious about them. I would probably not end up getting most of them. Only a few would, would probably end up getting. Hmm. My guess is the two expansions I've mentioned, possibly Spires and a couple of the other games. But these are all games I want to learn more about for sure. Well, we will see what happens. Yep. We will see what happens. Absolutely. I, I'm pretty sure that Robots Love Ice Cream, I will, I will probably not actually end up getting. <laughs> That's the one that you'll get? Because, <laughs> well, I won't because it's limited edition. I just won't find it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, yeah, we'll see. Is is everything on your list going to be got? Are you going to buy no Caterina and Founders? And I have no idea. All that. Because no <laughs> that's a big list. No idea. I, I think you can have to pare it down a little. Uh, you think I will? How <laughs> yeah. about that? <laughs> hey, man. I know. <laughs> Don't talk me back from the break. So, It'll be so okay. You, <laughs> so I can have all the games. of the Multiverse on there. And that surprised me because 
If I remember right, you didn't enjoy the board game. I, well, yes, but I really like having it on digital form. And as soon as Oblivion comes out, I'm, I'm I, on digital form. I have all the digital stuff, and I play all the uh, digital okay. stuff all the time. So, yeah, it's uh, it's gonna be okay. it's gonna be there. Okay, I'm looking forward to the the physical version. Um, I've backed that on Kickstarter, and I've and I'm getting the all the character cards also so they'll have a complete set of all that and I'll be able to play everything finally. I'm looking forward to that a lot. Um but you know again You have absolutely do... everything? Um all the standard stuff, I don't have all the like all the rare cards that they've released individually here and there. I don't have those. I know some but people who just like print a... those off at that like local places and things. Yeah, I'm not interested in printing it off. Okay. I mean I, I don't need to have it if I gotta print it off. But I'll be happy to have it if I could get a physical copy purchased from, you know, that's not homemade. But um, they are releasing that, right? They're releasing a, a, a pack that has all the all the variant cards for every character. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm familiar with it. I saw it when they okay. were doing a Kickstarter. Are you getting it? <laughs> yes. Oh, there you go. Yep, yep, yep. So do you know if the digital version will be ready right away, available right away? I have or? no idea. I hope it will. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I hope it will. I, I don't know if they, they have no release schedule expected, but I don't know. Okay. Sounds sounds exciting. So let's move on to Raxon. I mean, we could keep uh, talking about these Gen Con games, but I guess we'll see them soon enough. <laughs> yes, I'm sure we'll talk about them more once we have more information. <laughs> but let's go ahead and talk about some games that we actually do have information about. Let's head on yes. to Raxon. Raxon is. Are you familiar with the Dead of Winter, Albert? I've I've heard of it. I've never played Dead of Winter, but I've seen it many times. Okay, so and I know a little bit about it. So Dead of Winter um, does have a solo mode, but I don't really recommend the solo mode. But Dead of Winter is primarily a excuse me a trader mechanic game where all the players are in post apocalyptic era, and there's one trader who's trying to cause the downfall of the colony and everyone else is trying to keep it up so the theme for this game is it's actually before the apocalypse and it's apocalypse or apocalypse by zombies in that so this is right before the apocalypse by zombies the zombie outbreak is starting to happen and it's our job to evacuate a city as fast as we can and we're going to be doing this by doing action selection to try and figure out which of these random cards are zombies and which are healthy humans and evacuate the humans and quarantine the zombies that's the basic overview of the game for Raxon. Um, the game, so Albert, the, the game components, I believe, is the first thing we're going to be talking about, correct? Mm, okay. Yep, we could do that. The, I mean, there's not a components to it, right? It's basically a sleeved board. I, I found that very funny. Yes, I found it funny that they put plastic around the board. I don't know why they did that. <laughs> Yeah, I've kept mine in it. I, Have I you really? Why? It. Yeah, because it's sleeved. It came sleeved. So I just left it in there. You know, why not? Okay. <laughs> they went through the trouble of sleeving it for me. I should at least use it. 
Okay. I took <laughs> mine off thing. because I think it's easier to keep the cards on the board without the plastic on top of it. Could be. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure it'll come off at some point. Okay. I, I just find it so comical. I've enjoyed it, leaving it that way. But, yes, yeah, so you, you get a board. It's a small board, right? It's the same size as the box. Yeah. And the box is um, 10 by 10. Yeah, it's. I think it's the size of Elder um, of... Yes, Arkham Horror Card Game, Elder Sign. Yeah, that sort of all thing. those. Yeah, and so so you get the board, you get a bunch of cards for the crowds of people. So you know, thirty is it thirty zombies, thirty thirty infected, thirty healthy people. Yes, and you get a deck of Raxon cards and a bunch of counters. Oh, and and five or six player boards. Well, it's one counter over and over again, and one counter for the Raxon power. Yes. Um, what do you think about the graphic design on everything? Um, I like to f- the I like to find the board seems a little tech heavy, which is not much what I expect in a in a modern setting, and it seems more sci fi or futuristic than I thought. But it was fine; it was all functional. You thought it was tech heavy? Yeah. I thought it, I mean, it just looks like solid steel to me. Yeah, to me that's sort of tech heavy. In my mind, it is okay. But the, I like the the cards, the the crowd cards. Yes. Those are really neat because each card has a picture of a person in it and they're all different. Even the zombies, I think, are all different. And, you know, they'll have the person's name. And it just, it just, the way it looks, I just thought it added a lot to the, to the feel of the game. Yeah. I'm amazed at the level of polish that they put to it. All the art and all the assets look nice, but I'm really surprised that they put unique art for each one of the cards. That really surprises me. Because they didn't mm-hmm. have to do that. You know, many, many other games do not have unique card art for everything. Especially for something like this, I didn't feel... I, I, I would not have expected it to have unique card art, and it did. Yeah. And, it, you know, it wasn't necessarily necessary. Like, especially for something like the zombies, usually you expect them all to look exactly the same. Mm-hmm. And, and no, they're all, they're all different. That surprised me, and which, it makes it look nice. Which is nice. Yeah, it added to the feel of the game, and especially when you're saving people, it 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 makes it feel a little more real or more personal when they all look different. And I think, and that just adds to the to the theme of the game. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um. So let's go ahead and talk about once we talk about components. Let's talk about the rules a bit. Um. Did you have any problem with the rules? No, not really. They're very clearly written. Very, they're short. It's a short rule book. I think it's maybe eight pages. Super easy to follow. Mm-hmm. It all made sense to me. There's examples in there and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And you know, it, it did the 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 end of the book shows you how to play solo, and so you got to jump to the end and read that and you play. But the difference between a solo multiplayer game is so minimal that it's no big deal. Yeah, essentially, it's you play through the character once and then reset that character and play through that character a second time. Mm-hmm. When you play solo, do you play solo with one player or two players? Mostly with one player, but I've tried with two also. Um, and both worked out fine. It, it's a, it, it doesn't add much complexity or, or overhead if you have two players versus one. It, it'll give you a little more variety, but I didn't find it that different. Also, when you play solitaire, you're able to switch characters at the end of each day. So you're not really stuck with the one character. Which can be convenient, especially if you're trying to duck out of the way of some of the harder um, consequences. Mm-hmm. Yep. Exactly. And and also, um, we haven't gotten to the game, how the game works yet, but 
as the game progresses, the the feel of the game changes, and with how useful a given character may be may change as the game progresses. Because at first there's more humans in the in the deck, and later on there's just way more zombies. Yeah, I thought uh, we, I believe we normally talk about gameplay earlier, but let's go ahead and talk about gameplay now. Now that you mention it, so what was your thoughts on the gameplay? Um. So when I first read through the rule book, I was, I was thinking to myself, that's it? That's that much of the game? It doesn't sound that good. Uh, when I actually played it, I, I was surprised how much I enjoy it. It, it feels very puzzly to me as I'm playing, trying to find the the people that are not infected, the healthy people, and, and light them up and find the best, most efficient way to have them in the grid and get them out of there and all that. And so I liked it. I thought I thought it worked really well. Mm-hmm. What I didn't like is there, there's a little bit of shuffling in it um, between each day. It's not too bad, but it's a little bit tedious. You found the shuffling so, yeah. to be tedious. Yeah, um, and, and like the setup at the first at the beginning, there's there's thirty zombies, thirty infected. You got to pull out fifteen of them. You know, shuffle it up, pull out fifteen. And then mix it up with the 30 healthy cards. So there's a little shuffling there. And then at the end of each day, you got to shuffle the discard with the draw pile with anybody still in the crowds and mm-hmm. the quarantine deck and all this, right? So Yeah, I found that I just needed to sleeve the cards, and then that wasn't such a big deal for me. I thought about – do they make square sleeves for this? Because I thought about it. They do. That, but, oh, um, okay. They make both Fantasy Flight sleeves, and they also make Ultra Pro ones. And I use the Ultra Pro ones for this one instead of Fantasy Flight. Okay. So maybe it's not too bad. I considered that, but I just didn't look into it yet. Yeah, Though, I sleep mine. You know, even they're shuffling, the cards are pretty easy to shuffle, actually. I found them... You know, it's I find square I find cards to be hard to shuffle in general. They, they, yes, I agree, but I found these... If you hold them at, at some angle, I forget what... You know, if it's upright or sideways, they're hard to shuffle. If you turn it 90 degrees, they're easy to shuffle. I don't know why. What? That's <laughs> but, random. The, but yeah, but it, but it was consistently true. You know, I could shuffle. I forget which way it's facing. I think if you're facing, like, top to bottom, so that the characters or head to head. If they're facing okay. head to head, it's easy to shuffle them. Okay. If I turn them so that they're side to side, suddenly the, the cards just don't bend. Okay. Well, let me talk about my thoughts on the gameplay for a second. Um, sure. A couple thoughts. So you were talking about how you liked that it was an abstract game. Yes, I think that's one of the big draws for me is the abstract, the abstract nature of it. I do appreciate a good abstract game. I like the how it plays, especially when there is some sort of thematic tie to it. But it does feel like an abstract, especially like at one point in time you can kill people and the next round, poof, they're back. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that is weird. So it, it's an abstract type game, but it plays really well. It's a very good puzzle to be able to do it. Um, the when you're choosing an action, the way it works is there's consequences by each action. So if you pick an action, the next time around, you're going to have to do that consequence again. And some of those consequences will, will make you do more racks on cards, which may or may not have some effect, depends on what they say. Um, or they may make you add more bad or more population to the to the center area which could be more zombies or more people you don't know till you go and flip over the card to find out so all these consequences happen and so the fact that you have consequences for your actions really makes for an interesting decision set for how you're going to proceed through these things because you'll sort of have to try and push your luck the evacuate action which each character has usually have the worst consequences so you're trying to hold back from doing evacuate as long as you can 
uh, or passing with it as soon as possible. But you want to try and hold back on it so that you can make maximum use of all the other actions. But sometimes you're like, well, I'm, I'm holding back too long because I'm about to lose out to it. And there's been some times where I just simply was holding out too long and lost it because I had too many bad cards out because I wanted to hold off on doing the evacuate. But you have to hold off on the evacuate because otherwise you don't have enough actions to take. So having those consequences in there just really made for an interesting decision tree. It wasn't so bland as in, you know, we'll talk about flashback was doctored earlier. You know what your action is. I'm going to move. And you just take the action. With, uh, with many other action selection cooperative games, the core action isn't such a big deal. It's just you're trying to be efficient with this one. For this one, you have to be like, well, do I really want to take this action and have to deal with this consequence the rest of the round? And you may not want to. You may want to try mm-hmm. and weigh how you're doing things. And it's it, it's really interesting. I really like that design. The consequences designed yeah. for the actions was really yeah, but, good. And the thing is, you, you have to take that action because that's that's how you're going to win the game is by evacuating the people. If you don't evacuate, you simply can't win. But you may also want to play with some of the other actions, like a crowd control action, which lets you swap cards, which will cause other things to happen. Really, mm-hmm. really good how they do that. Really good. Yep. And there's always a free action you could choose, which is to just flip over one card. But, but once you've taken an action with a consequence, every turn you, that consequence is going to happen. Even if you're taking the free action. Right. And, and they, they build up, right? So, so if you take two or three actions with consequences, every turn, three consequences are happening. Right. And, and it gets to a point where it's like, I, I really want to do, I need to do more stuff before this day ends and the, the board gets reset. But, but there's so many bad things happening each turn that I can't keep going. And that's just, it, it's fun and it's frustrating. I like that. Mm-hmm. I also like the push your luck aspect of the cards in the board. Many of the cards, when they get revealed, will have various different things. Worst of them, in my opinion, are the ones that cause you to end the round. You really want to avoid those. Yeah. Um, but you're sort of trying to push your luck to get more and more cards out to do a big evacuation. But the the card may flip over that you have to you have to end the round and you're just stuck, which was... Interesting. I like doing that. That that ties into all the push your luck part of the abstract game, which is fun. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now the other part of the game we haven't really talked about is the that Raxon deck. I, I think it has a different name. I don't remember what it is. Yeah, go for it. But but that is really interesting. Some of the consequences that, that you get are, are basically like a little triangle. That means you're gonna have to draw a card from this Raxon deck. Um now my understanding is this is it's very similar to something found at a winner, which I've never played. But when you draw these cards, they're going to have a little text in it, and many of them are going to give you a choice. Either do this or do this other thing. And and often the, the choices are one's pretty benign and one's really bad. What's going to happen is a lot of these cards, there's a second card later that might get triggered if you chose to keep that first one and do the easy action. Um but these cards are all really neat, and, and the way they trigger is you draw the card, and it'll say, if you're playing this character and this condition is true, go ahead and do this card, otherwise just discarded. Or, you know, or if there's three infected out, go ahead and do this consequence, otherwise discard it. And, and then when you do the card, you have to make your choice and, and put it in the play deck. And, and having done that later on may trigger another more painful card. Advocacy for you. Uh, how many times were those cards triggering? It it varied. It, 
there's one game where it didn't trigger at all. So so there's one game where I was doing tons of consequences towards the the Raxon cards, and I, I I drew a lot of the Raxon cards that, that said you have to play this one, and and then shuffle your discard pile and your deck together again, sort of to reset it, and. When I was doing that, I hadn't realized that that had a little symbol on the bottom that said that I had to advance my 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 threat counter. I forget what that's called, um, which is one of the ways to lose the game. That game, I drew a ton of those and nothing else. Other games I've played, I've had a f- bunch of the ones where where you have to make choices. So it, it just seems to sort of vary. I I think those also come up more if you play more characters because. There's a few of them that say if if this character's in the game, then this can happen. Th- if this player character's in the game, and if you're playing solo, only one player character's in the game, so the rest just will never happen. Well, but you can swap between player characters for that one. But yes, yeah, those can. do tend to be free. <laughs> yep. And, and even then, you know, because you could swap, I suppose you could manage it more. That if you've gotten the card that s- says, "Oh, if um, the part one KD James is in the game, do this." Well, you could say, "Well." That card's come out, so I don't expect to see it again. I'm going to switch over to KD James. Well, until all the cards get shuffled back into the deck. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, nothing's... <laughs> and then there go it. your plans. <laughs> yeah. But you could mitigate the odds of it happening. Yeah, you could. That, that, you know. You could. And, and this game has a lot of different ways to try and, and make things better for yourself. Like, for example, there's a quarantine pile. One of the actions uh, the character could do is quarantine zombies. And if they're quarantined, at the end of the day... When you, when you reset the board, you don't shuffle those those uh, infected back into the deck. If they're in contained quarantine, right? If they're in contained quarantine, yes. But but uh, which means you're more likely to have more humans in the deck than than infected. And hopefully, you're gonna, you know, which is what you need. You want to have lots of humans and very few infected. Yeah, uncontained quarantine not only goes back into the deck, it makes more zombies go into the deck. Mm-hmm. Which is rough, but yeah, with those with those racks on, I'm going to call them crossword cards because that's essentially what they are. But with those crossword okay. cards, I've had games where they do nothing, and I've had other games where every single one of them was triggering. Um, and it's, I think it's more fun when they trigger more often. I, I don't think that their triggering more or less often changes it be changes the the difficulty scale i would not consider the game to be swingy because of that i don't think that those raxon cards can can make or break the game because some of them really can be quote helpful um although the ones that are being helpful are setting you up for potential pain later but some of them (laughs) can be helpful when they trigger and some of them can be harmful so if you know the helpful ones and the harmful ones are trading at the same time it's okay and you know, I, I wouldn't consider it to be game breaking because of it, but it's interesting how only some of the times does it trigger, but when it when it's triggering, I feel like it's triggering every single time. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um Yeah. The the gameplay is fun. It's just it's just a well done game. Um the good night, Genevieve. <laughs> okay. Um, what is it saying? The let's talk about the theme a little bit, right? It's a zombie game set in the Dead of Winter universe. Yes. So while in the the original Dead of Winter games, the fact that it was the classic tropes of zombies didn't make that much of a difference because the zombies weren't really the focus of the game, assuming you weren't trying to play it solo. Here the zombies are all about the focus. This is a zombie game. 
Well, uh, you know, I don't think of it as as a zombie game. Really, it, it's a very non Well, it's a it's not a game about the zombies. It's a game about the healthy people. You're you're not trying to fight zombies. You're trying to save healthy people. It feels like a zombie game to me because it's a yeah. you're trying to you are trying to fight the zombies. You're trying to keep them quarantined to to evacuate the healthy people. Yeah, but the quarantine is really only just just to make it easier to evacuate the healthy people. But but. It's still, I mean, no. most other zombie games don't really deal about trying to rescue people, healthy people, the way this does. To me, it, it felt very different. I don't know. It, it was refreshing. Um, it is neat that it's in the, in the Dead of Winter universe, and if you've played Dead of Winter, this is a prequel to it, and sort of adds a little bit to that backstory of the game, mm-hmm. which, which I thought was neat. And, you know, I'm not familiar with the story. Um, I didn't feel it, it kept me from enjoying the game. But but I do like that it, it can add to the game if you're familiar with it. Apparently, some of the characters in here are some of the the people you could rescue also end up being player characters. In yeah, all the there. familiar characters. There's different types of characters that you can rescue. The familiar ones are the ones that are going to be from the original game from Dead of Winter. Ah, okay. That's how that worked. I see. Got it. Okay, and and it's worth mentioning this actually brings a, a couple characters to play with. In Dead of Winter. Yes. Two of the characters that you can control in Raxon can become characters from for Dead of Winter if you play Dead of Winter, which Mm -hmm. sounds like neither of us do. No. I I haven't never played it, Um, but I have heard of it and I've seen it. Played it. Not going to play it. Okay. (laughs) I tend not to like uh, secret hidden trader games. That's not. Too much, that's but. not my problem with it, but I'm not getting into it. <laughs> okay. Alrighty. So with regard, so let's let's do one one more bit about the gameplay. There are actually um, there's an online website that uh, Platinum Games, the publishers of the game, have set up, which have a number of different uh, additional scenarios for the game. So you can play. Um, with different mutations, so the the different types of zombies in the game. So you start off with one type of zombie, and the zombies in the deck get worse. Or you can start off with another one where there's specific people that you have to rescue. Or uh, let's see if I can try and remember. Or there's another one that you're specifically having to deal with all the hostile people, and the hostile people are causing more of a problem than everything else. And you have to be. You have to get a calming mechanic where you have to work together with those hostile people. So the difference, the different scenarios, add more replayability to the game because again, it is an abstract game. There's not going to be a lot of differences in the game that will add to the replayability. So I'm glad that they sort of thought about that, sort of thought about that, and create all these different scenarios. And theoretically, it's not that hard for them to do it. The scenarios work really well digital, that you can pull them up on your phone and move through them pretty easily, so they're very easy to complement with the game as long as you have a smartphone or something like that. They don't appear to have any way of printing them off. So those people like me who would want to print them off and play with them on you know, religious holidays that we're not allowed to access phones uh, are SOL. <laughs> <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you know th- those are not necessary to play the game, right? They just no, they're not necessary to play the game, but they're nice. I I would yeah. like to play with those more. I've played two of those scenarios so far, and they were fun. And there's another couple ones in there that I would like to play some more. We'll see if mm-hmm. I get to. Them. Okay. <laughs> yep. Um, you know, one thing we didn't mention in this game, you know, it being a co-op game, you usually hear things like, "Oh, one way to win, many to lose." 
this is different because there's one way to win, but only two to lose. It, it, it was kind of nice that there's not much attraction, so you'd think it'd be easier because there aren't that many ways to lose. But <laughs> they come up a lot. I, I, I've lost consistently. The The only game I won is one when I missed one of the rules. It just made it easier on myself. And so the two ways to lose, right? If When, when you set up the game, you, you uh, shuffle 15 zombies and 30 healthy people together into your crowd deck. There's another 15 zombies, and those are going to get added to your decks. The, um, there's going to be different things that trigger it to get added into your discard pile, basically. If at any point you need to add a card to your discard pile from that zombie deck and you can't, you lose the game. The other way to to trigger losing the game is there's a a threat track. Uh, it's a Raxon track or something, and that's generally triggered from um, those Raxon event cards. It, it starts at zero, goes up to I think eight or nine. If it ever reaches that last number, you lose the game. And so that's it. And so where's Julius? I'm right here. Okay, you're just being quiet and listening. Good. I keep worried that I'm going to lose you, but I guess I haven't since we switched over to this chat. Yeah, it sounds like this is a bit more direct and better. Mm-hmm. Maybe we have to cool. use that in the future. Um. All right, so I think we've described the gameplay and the theme and all that pretty well. The other worth, the other thing worth mentioning, I think, is really interesting, is the way they've marketed this game. Tell me something about and this. Obviously. The way they're distributed. This is viral marketing, right? Um. I first came across it with Google, with Gmail. When Gmail first came out, the only way to get a Gmail account was to have somebody send you an invitation. And then everybody had three or so invitations they could send out to other people. Um, which is really neat. At first, you know, it was kind of a neat way to do it, but it was also frustrating. Because if you really wanted Gmail and you didn't know anybody, you're just out of luck. Um, and so this is a very similar thing. They, they, they release the game to some number of people... And anybody has a game can now invite three other people. It was 50 people and originally. 50? Okay. And so to invite somebody, you, you basically give Raxon Corporation that person's email address, and they'll send them an email. You could buy them the game, or they could buy it themselves at that point. And it will be, email, it will be mailed from, from them to, directly to your house. Um, shows up really quick. Mine did. And... And then you've got the game, and now you have three invitations, so you could send out to three other people. And so in theory, you know, pretty quickly, the world could be covered with Raxon games. So that does mean also that there's no chance to actually buy the game in your store. The only place to buy it is directly from Plat Hat or from Raxon, myraxon.com for 40 bucks. Yes. But again, you, you can't just go show up at the website and, and ask to buy a copy. You have to get invited. Um, which is going to frustrate people. If you just can't get it for whatever reason or if your friend invited three other people that you don't know. Well, I have a sneaky suspicion you know. between the two of us and our invites that I've only used one. Um, <laughs> that I have a feeling we can probably yet. open up our own forum on our guild so that anybody who wants to get a copy of it can easily. But I know that there's already also other places on uh, – on Board Game Geek, where you can get yes. requests, and so I don't think it's too hard to get an invite. And and, and no, honestly, it really isn't. What it what it ends up being though is, if you don't happen to know anybody, it's going to be frustrating. I think very quickly because of the distribution, because each person can invite three more, 
it quickly becomes available to anybody that really wants it by just putting a little bit of effort into it. But it ends up making it frustrating for, for the people that do have trouble in the first place, mm-hmm. um, which kind of burns them, right? And so now they're a little bit bitter about the game and may appreciate it less because of that. And and also what I think is maybe also a bad thing is it, it builds up expectations. There's a lot of hype because of this, and so people have a higher expectation of what the game's going to be and may end up being disappointed. Well, do you think the game was worth 40 bucks, Albert? Oh, I think it's, yes, I think it's definitely worth it. I think it's great. I think it's fun. But but nonetheless, if you get hype built up, you know, hype is always going to disappoint. And, I, never, and I think never for you, I think you got the game without hearing about anything of the hype. So I think your yes. review of it <laughs> is unaffected by the hype. Yes, absolutely. I will say I, that I my, totally any, my review what it was. may be somewhat affected because I playtested the game. So this is another one that I may have played testers bias. So I really enjoy the game. I really highly recommend the game. I thought it's a great little abstract game, a short, fast co-op. Um, but I was a play tester. So, so your, your review is possibly less bias. Mm-hmm. I don't, yeah, I don't I, think, I, I, I don't it's, think it's, I'm it's biased. Fair. I, I didn't feel but. biased. <laughs> <laughs> Though, I mean, I imagine over time it's gonna it's gonna get to a point where either they're gonna stop doing this viral mark viral selling scheme thing, or it's just gonna be so easy to get one that it won't matter anyway. So it's, you know, it's just a matter of getting there. I suppose in theory, if everybody, you know, I think it took me th- four days to get the game. If everybody gets their game in four days and immediately turns around and sends it to three friends, you know. In a couple of weeks, they're not going to be able to keep up with the demand. <laughs> you have no idea about that. They could. Well, no, I mean, no, mathematically, it'd be impossible in in a few weeks because if you do th- if you do three every day, right? Because I I send it to three friends. They now send it to. I mean, this nine is coming. Friends, this is, send it this to is coming out of friends. Asthma Day. I mean, they're not small. They're not small fries here. Oh, they're not small. But but you know, again, in in a matter of like a month, you, you're selling like. Hundreds of millions of copies. If 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 followed that curve, which it, it won't realistically, <laughs> I got an invitation and I've sat on it. <laughs> there you go. But I suppose in theory it could have backfired on it because the the, the the demand would be so high and nobody would be able to get a copy, even if they got an invite or something. That'll be interesting. Anyway, I guess the whole point is that the marketing is interesting. Like it or hate it, whatever it is, it's interesting and. It does, I think, actually fit the theme well. They, they actually tied it to the theme of the game. Because when you get your game, it's an invitation from the company, and the company is trying to send these these kids to help fight the the infected and rescue people. And, and so the whole viral marketing sort of feels appropriate. You know, they're saying, please, you know, share those other people who could help fight the zombie threat, so we could send them a, a, a rescue kit. And so I thought that was that was pretty well. Well done and well integrated. I mean, I think it's interesting what they're doing with this. I I just don't think it was really necessary. I think the game is a really good game. I think the game could have could have done really well for itself without having to rely on you know, this this sticky abnormal mm-hmm. marketing scheme. You know, it's Plathead Games. They have enough they have enough you know, clout that they can market a game themselves and say, Hey, we put out this game. You should be interested in it. And I think they would get it. I'm... Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I, I'm guessing they, they really did it because of the, the theme and just to make it fun. Just because, why not? I suppose. I don't know. <laughs> like, I mean, like you said, they've got clout. They, they, they don't need to do this, this viral marketing. And like I said, that, that sort of thing can also work against you. So I don't think it was done for, for need. It's just for like, just, hey, let's see what happens. Let's try it. But I definitely think this was a good enough game that it just didn't didn't need it. Yeah. And I think it does nothing but frustrate those people who want it and also raises the price some. This is not a Riot Games where, you know, Riot Games, when they were doing Mechs versus Minions, they did it straight from distribution because they were managing to make it less expensive. This one feels like it's a normally priced MSRP game. This is not, you know, awesome components for $40. This is what I would expect of any other game that's forty dollars and is therefore cheaper from an online store, or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. It's it's that's that sounds about right. So yeah, I mean that that's Raxon. Oh, the one other thing is, I I do dislike the name of the game. Really? It's, Why? I find it it it's just weird. It, it's Raxon is just it it doesn't roll off the tongue and maybe it's because I'd never heard of the Raxon Corporation before because I've never played Dead of Winter or there's another game in the Dead of Winter universe right that also has to deal with Raxon maybe maybe not I don't know no I've not um, but I'd never heard of it and so, so it's just a, a, a weird sounding title I hear that well definitely it's something that's easy to search for right R-A-X-O-N oh yeah that's true <laughs> though it is not unique because I, I tried to go to Raxon.com and that has absolutely nothing to do with this game it's a French website. I have no idea what it has to do with. It is it is myraxon.com is where you want to go. Yeah, there you go. Um so yeah, I think I think we've said everything there's to say about this game, right? right sure, well, I, sure we yeah, I think both of us have given a positive review to it, so I, that's Raxon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Uh, and again, we're going to be starting up a thread on our guild. If anybody wants to get a copy of it, we'll try and make sure that everyone has the opportunity and availability to be able to do so themselves. Yep. That's a good idea. All right. Uh, see everybody in a few weeks. Bye-bye. Enjoy your Gen Bye. Con for those going. And everyone else, enjoy your Gen Cant. Thanks for listening. We love feedback, so we love hearing from you. You could reach me at Julius at OnePlayerPodcast.com or JLBird on BGG. And Albert can be reached at Albert at OnePlayerPodcast.com or Fractaloon on BGG. Our website is OnePlayerPodcast.com with the number one. And we're also on Twitter at OnePlayerPodcast. The intro music is copyright Angus can be found at Gemendo.com. The transition music is copyright by Dan Elduce Pancaldi, whose page is at DanPancaldi.com. The OnePlayer Podcast is protected under a Creative Commons share-alike license. Thanks for listening. I'm going to say it one more time. Ready? Here we go. With some sort of intro music.